Hello there, amigos. Welcome to PPC Burrito, the podcast that aims to deliver nourishing knowledge about the world of pay-per-click marketing. Hi, I'm Michael Kenny. And hola, I'm Becky Hopkin, and we represent Digital Gearbox, a specialist PPC agency dedicated to helping businesses across the globe unlock new customers with awesome platforms like Google Ads. PPC Burrito exists to help you get the most out of your campaigns, but we're also here to meet talented marketers, hear their stories, and understand more about how marketing in general has helped their businesses grow and thrive. Michael, how's the head? How's the head? Do you know what? Um, What day is it today? I don't. It's Thursday. Thursday today. (laughs) Thursday, the sixteenth of July. Uh, Three days removed from probably the greatest evening of my life. Um, My head is. My head's still a bit sore. Do do you want to tell our listeners why it was the greatest evening of your life? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, people that know me know that I'm. I'm a huge Wiccan Wanderers fan. And um, and we got promoted, got promoted to the championship, uh, the highest position, highest tier uh, in our club's 133-year history. Um, absolutely momentous because no one gave us a chance uh, a year ago, almost to the day. We only had about nine players in our senior staff, our senior squad, uh, well, our only squad. And um, to go from that, you know that that uncertainty to being promoted to the championship, you know, and to beat Oxford United as well. <laughs> it's an incredible feeling, and I know that I have some friends, uh, some business contacts who are who are fierce Oxford United fans, but uh, I'm sure they can't begrudge me, um, you know, because Oxford United were firm, firm favourites, and uh, really, you know, on paper uh, should have won. But I did say to my dad before the game, you know, I said that you know they've got the resources, uh, they arguably have the the better players in terms of talent but I, I was very much uh, I very much of the belief that we had the better team the better team dynamic and team spirit and uh, we won and uh, and yet I partied hard <laughs> into into the evening uh, unfortunately not there because of the current you know global crisis which which sucked to be honest it sucked to not be there um, but uh, you know sharing sharing that joy but yeah to answer your question Becky um, my I'm still in a state of disbelief. The hangover's gone, but yeah. I am I am tired. I've been tired all week. Just you know, uh, just it's a lot of emotion that went into that game for you. Um, I mean, we were we were in the office together just before, and you were you were uncharacteristically quiet for Michael. <laughs> yeah, it's it, the thing is because a lot of people, you know. What people might not know about me is I, I also work with the club and, and we as Digital Gearbox, we actually partner with Wick and Wanderers um, to help, you know, with uh, with their ticket sales for each game. And, and hopefully we'll get to a point where people can actually come to the game soon mm-hmm. and we'll be able to resume our wonderful work with the with the people over there. Um, but, you know, I'm so close to the club. They have me there on match days as their announcer. Uh, I've been a fan of the club since I was four. So that's a dream come true to be able to help them with that. Um, and, uh, you know, with what's going on recently, uh, you know, it, it just kind of the game just transcended sport. And uh, to see my friends, um, you know, experience that success just meant the world to me. And, and the, you know, the hours leading into the game, I was so nervous because um, it wasn't a case of getting beaten by Oxford and, and losing, you know, and, and not going up. It was just I wanted it to happen because the thing is, and again, being biased, 
we deserved it. We deserved it to happen to us, given what we've gone through, uh, you know, with our recent history. Um, but it's happened. It's yeah, happened. The it's dream amazing. Came true. Ah, oh, absolutely. We uh, we went beyond our wildest dreams to to quote the late great Paul McCarthy. Um, but but we're here to talk about PPC, and we've we've got an amazing guest lined up today, which I'm really really looking forward to speaking to that person. But uh, in the meantime, we do need to kick off with with a PPC tip, and mm-hmm. Becky has an amazing tip. We were sat together as a team uh, virtually uh, a couple of days ago, and uh, and Johnny had this incredible tip, and uh, we're going to go through it now. So Becky, what is that tip so the tip this week is to once you set your bid adjustment um, on your campaigns whether that be for devices demographics locations don't assume performance for this these groups will always stay the same make sure you review and update on a regular basis so this uh, this tip spawned from one of our one of our customers who had asked us to bid down on a mobile because historically their website uh, conversion rate on a mobile wasn't so good but they've been working on that they've been optimizing for mobile and they've started to see the sales pick up um so we're revisiting the the mobile bid adjustment we're tweaking it to to lower that percentage drop um and we're now going to see how that affects performance so don't just sit on it make sure you're reviewing performance on these different metrics and make those bid adjustments I do see this all too often in accounts that they kind of, especially when it comes to bid adjustments, that they remain quite static. Mm. People set them and they never really change them because this data is always changing. Demographic data always changes. Yeah. Um, the patterns of behaviour behind people taking up a service or or um, or connecting with a business, you know, perhaps don't change, but behaviours do. Yeah. Uh, and and I think the you know it. It's something that you should always check. Do you kind of have a? Uh, I know this is, I'm going to chuck a hard question at you, Ooh. but it, for anyone that's listening, yeah. how often do you think we should be checking these device and uh, what well, these just bid adjustments in general? It will completely depend on your budget. To be honest, um, obviously, the more you spend, the more data you have to play with. Um, but uh, kind of our in- agency standard is at least quarterly. Um, now, if you're spending thousands a day, then obviously you want to do it much more regularly than that but you need enough mm. time time as well as data to, to factor into these things it's going to be quite hectic if you keep keep changing things you're not really going to know whether it's just a daily change or all that device change so yeah at least quarterly um and yeah don't don't set and forget as you said michael too many people think google ads is i've set up my keywords i've set up my campaigns off it goes to do wondrous things um, there's so many elements to it that you need to keep looking at and keep tweaking and keep optimising, as we always say at the end of the show. Keep on optimising. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for that tip, Becky. And also, Johnny, thank you for that tip as well, thank bringing that up Johnny. during our recent meeting. You know, we've got a wonderful team here at Digital Gearbox, and uh, I'm very lucky to be surrounded by such wonderful professionals, uh, making up for my utter lack of professionalism. <laughs> but let's get into it. Let's, uh, let's, let's have a conversation with, with a true pro here. Um, are you ready to speak to our guest today, Becky? I certainly am. <laughs> well, we're positively buzzing about our guest today pun intended. Julie is Deputy Queen Bee at Neves Bees, a team of Oxfordshire-based beekeepers who, through a unique collaboration with their colony, produce a wonderful range of natural skincare products. Along with her daughter, Neve, aka the Queen Bee, husband Ross, and a, a not-so-small team of worker bees, Julie has grown the business from a bit of a hobby 
into a thriving business with products stocked across the country, including Birmingham's Botanical Gardens and Blenheim Palace, to name but a few. Neve Bees have also made significant inroads online, growing their business through carefully constructed marketing campaigns that uh, we're quite proud to have played a part in. We've been looking forward to learning more about Julie's incredible story, and it's a real joy to have her join us on the PPC Burrito today. Hey, Julie, how you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. How are you? All the better for, for having this wonderful conversation with you. It's, it's something that Becky and I have really been looking forward to having for a long time. You and Becky in particular have had this incredible working relationship for quite a while. And I've kind of been enviously looking in going, oh, I really want to learn more about these bees and Julie. Uh, but this is my opportunity. And this is also the opportunity for our wonderful listeners to learn more about you, your career and this incredible business that you've got and you've put together. Yeah, I think Julie has the best story behind how a business started out of all our all our partners that we've worked with. So perhaps, Julie, you can kick us off with, with how Neves Bees came about. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Becky. Yeah, so we, we moved to this area about eight or nine years ago, and we were looking at houses to buy. Um, Neve at the time was about nine. And we dragged her around various different houses and she was so bored. <laughs> and um, in one of the houses, this chap had this most enormous pile of honey jars. And Neve says to the guy, what have you got all that honey for then? And he says, because I keep bees. And she went, what do you do with it all? He said, I sell it. And how much for? I said, five pounds a jar. And you could see her going, five, 10, 15. <laughs> it was really, really quiet. And we looked at the house and it was like, oh, this is nice. The kids have stopped whinging. And then uh, when we got back, literally, she was in front of the computer and she said, I've decided we should have that house with the bees. I've called Granddad Jim and I'm going to get a beehive from him for my birthday. And I've Googled bee suits and this is how much they cost. <laughs> we were like, Right, okay then. So we literally got the bees. So they were Neve's bees. And uh, Neve and I toddled off to um, go and learn how to become beekeepers. She had a suit that was about a six foot six man suit. And at the time she was about three foot six. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, and here we are. <laughs> and and you started originally selling your products kind of in the, in the local area, the local shops and, and trade fairs, didn't you, Julie? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first time we sold them was at um, the Whitney Food Festival, Festival of Food and Drink, I think it's called, uh, in the centre of Whitney, about, gosh, about three years ago. Um, and yeah, with sort of trepidation, having made them for friends and family for a few years, um, we sort of started selling and people gave us really positive feedback and we sold out. So we were like, hang on a minute, these are nice. Yeah, <laughs> um, they are lovely. So so the Neesby's range includes some lovely lip balms, which uh, I have. I've had a peppermint one, which um, when I was pregnant actually was was a <laughs> lifesaver. I never thanked you for that, Julie, but it was a real <laughs> lifesaver for a pregnant lady. Um, and you've got hand salves, and you've got some new stuff as well. You've got the dog dog salves. Yeah, we have. Well, we we were, had several friends were telling us in fact this was the lovely vivacious smile photographer kept saying that she was using the lip balm on her little dog's 
pause and uh, and I suddenly thought you know what people sell this stuff let me see if I can make some so we made it specifically for dogs and put dog friendly products in it um, and yeah that seems really popular now and now we also have um, a cuticle cream which is lovely for shiny nails and we have a foot product now which is um, nice if you've got tired feet to help them soothe and smooth your feet and and what what we've found is that um, we're selling a lot of gift products now and, and I suppose understandably the products look nice and people like to, we always send happy vibes cards with each of the products and I think people have cottoned on to the fact that actually if someone's feeling a bit down, it's really nice to send them a little cuticle butter with a happy vibe or a pack of lip balms with some be happy messages with them. So yeah, we found that that's really nice to sort of spread the joy a bit there. Yeah, I think one of the what, the other nice uh, things about your products, Julie, is is the plastic-free packaging that you've got, which is mm. obviously really important um, today. But the the lip balms come in nice little slider tins, which uh, I love really those slider tins. I love yeah. them. <laughs> They're really satisfying, aren't they? I've got one here. Hang on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we wanted right from the start. We wanted it to be. As, as green sustainable as we possibly can be um we're, we're actually looking at becoming a social enterprise now because i really wanted the business to be more about giving and educating people about the natural world and helping to support the wildlife and the bees that it sustains um so yeah having that having as sustainable a packaging as we can was always really important and in fact one of the things that we're doing now is that the the tins are obviously completely recyclable the gift packs our recycled card our gift bags the linen we do still have some plastic in the labels but we're actually working with a brand brand new material at the moment which is totally biodegradable plastic which is oil free which is um can cope with oil being on it because paper obviously rots and we nearly had a biodegradable label but then they told us that it would rot within three months so that didn't really work <laughs> oh so we're just sourcing some brand new material so we will very soon be able to say it's 100 percent biodegradable and sustainable which i'm so excited about fantastic um so so julie tell it um obviously you started selling uh, locally and in a trade first can you tell us a little bit more about the journey to moving online yeah absolutely um so it was it was very organic, I suppose, in the in the truest business sense of the word. Um, so started making them for friends and family, then started selling at trade shows. And then we thought, hang on a minute, these trade shows and little craft fairs and things aren't happening that often. Let's put a website up. So we worked with a, a lovely local team, got a website put together. And as you rightly pointed out, Becky, you put this lovely glossy website together and you sit back and you check the stats and ah, oh, there's no one here yeah yeah i get an order and literally i remember getting so excited to look at my google analytics and see there was one person on the website um and i quickly realized that we needed to do some more to drive online sales to our online e-commerce website and I think Becky, you and I have known each other from local networking groups. Yeah. Um, and I just said to Becky, and actually, the, I think this is an interesting thing for other people listening, is that, you know, I, I, 
I'm a 50-year-old woman who has worked in marketing for a long time, but does have no experience. I can't even turn our television on, okay? That's how, <laughs> that's how much of a techie I am. I have to say it's quite complicated television, but there we go. Um, so I really did, I really knew nothing about the technical side of uh, marketing communications, but I knew that we had to reach the audience. We had an audience that we wanted to reach. I knew that we had something going with gifting. Um, and I knew that um, it was important to try and drive people online to our website. So I think I listened to a couple of talks that Becky did and then I think we had a coffee or something and I just said, look, Becky, I don't have a lot of money. Um, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I know that we need to do something to try and drive sales to our website. And that's how it started, really. Mm -hmm. All over that first coffee, that's how all the magic always happens. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we, um, we, we start, I mean, I think people get scared when they have got a small budget. They think that, that paid advertising is something that they're never going to be able to afford, whereas if you focus in on the bottom of funnel opportunities that are out there for you, then yeah. it doesn't need to cost a fortune. And that's why we started off with the with the remarketing. We started telling people that were already going to your website that you had these lovely gift, gift packs. And it was just before Christmas and we were pushing those gift packs. And then we looked at the Google shopping side of things and where you haven't got you haven't got a huge range of, of products. You've got, you got a nice variety, but you haven't got hundreds and hundreds of SKUs. Um, it, it wasn't like you were going to be spending thousands upon thousands on that. And you've got quite a niche product as well. And it? it's beeswax, yeah. it's balm, it's not your generic Vaseline or any anything like that. So just making sure that the, the feed was optimised to contain those keywords to make sure that the right people were finding you was, was key to getting that set up correctly and not blowing blowing loads and loads of money. And then we just looked at the search side of things to make sure that you were always appearing for those crucial terms, say beeswax, lip balm, for example. And, yeah. And yeah, it's it's grown grown nicely over the years. And um, I know that you've done some other sort of complementary marketing activity as well that perhaps we can we can talk about in a minute. But I think uh, Michael, did you want to take Julie back in time? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, because I mean, obviously, this is my opportunity to really learn more about you as well. But uh, thank you for uh, sharing the initial story of, of Knees Bees and how it all came together. I, I did want to take it back a little bit because, you know, once you had um, bought Neve the beekeeping outfit that actually fit and, and started doing all of that kind of stuff. When did you then go from, okay, so this is a hobby. This is uh, this is something that my daughter really, really loves doing and it's becoming a bit of a family activity. When did you then see the opportunity to take the produce that you were creating and turn it into a product, turn it into a brand? Yeah, that's a good question. <clears throat> so I guess there was a, a, another, yeah, another um, side story going on, which is for years I've worked in the world of marketing, pharmaceutical marketing, healthcare marketing, very corporate. I worked for Unilever, I worked for GSK. Um, and then for probably for eight years, I worked for a couple of um, sort of blue chip marketing consultancies. Mm. Um, and our role was to teach, for want of a better word, teams of marketeers how to put strategies together, how to develop their marketing capability, how to put marketing communication programs together, et cetera, et cetera. And 
this is this is absolutely true not not a word of a lie here i found myself running a workshop in sao paulo in brazil for mccain chips um and it was a workshop with about 30 people it was the um marketing directors and ceos or mds of all the various southern american um, uh, um mccain chips people across the whole of south america and the objective of the workshop was to teach them how to write marketing plans to get South American mothers to get their kids eating frozen chips rather than fresh potatoes. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing here? You know, the workshop was fun and we were staying in this flash hotel and we got taken out for meals in the, in the nights between. But I had one of those floating above myself moments. I just thought my purpose in life surely is more than this is just so wrong. And I remember coming on the plane on the way back just thinking, okay, I've got to be doing something different here. And that was about the time that we'd started to make Neves Bees products and sort of give them to friends and family. And we were looking at it was about that time. Mm -hmm. And uh and I think that coupled with realizing that actually we had something here that was really nice products, but a really lovely brand. Um, and if there was a broader mission for Neves Bees that I haven't quite elaborated yet, it's around getting people to really appreciate the great outdoors, getting people to feel themselves in nature, getting people to, if you want to go and jump in a muddy puddle, just JFDI. I'm not going to swear, but you can work out what that is. <laughs> um, and it's that's where that's I think where my mind that was a really significant moment for me, and I just thought I can be doing more here. Um, so I think the Newsbees brand is more than just about you know selling some nice lip balms and hand salves and things. It, it's more it's. I want it to be more about helping people to be who you want to be, feel yourself, go outside, feel the wind in your hair, uh, jump in a jump in a lake if you want to jump in a lake, climb a tree if you want to climb a tree, and just really enjoy nature and and all that you can do for it and it can do for you. So do you have some designs to eventually build upon the existing Neesbees brand and to add that kind of lifestyle aspect to it eventually? Or is that something that you are well, already working on? I'm actually, do you know, it's, it's interestingly, I'm actually meeting with the, the woman who run, the woman who runs the business for whom I was working in Brazil next week. And we're going to sit down and do what we did for the Brazil people on Neesbees, just to work out how we can really nail this um and really work out how we can make the brand more than just um skincare and more about really helping people to be who they want to be a lot of bees in there which is appropriate um <laughs> <laughs> but um i mean you've kind of already gone into it with with regards to your background as a, as a marketing consultant and, and and having worked with a number of you know, big brands and, and lots of uh lots of mccain's chips um but you know how what would you say are the most valuable parts of that other life that have you have injected into neves bees um so i definitely have an understanding of how business works in terms of making money 
you know the objective of a business is to make money i actually want to do more social enterprise but anyway mm. um and also how marketing works you know what is marketing and what is marketing communications um and i think that has really helped and i think becky and i've had a few conversations about this as well is that i think if i was to give advice to a, a newbie business starting up you don't need to invest loads up front but i think you do need to realize that any sort of advertising or promotion you do it doesn't have to pay back immediately i'm not saying don't expect it to pay back but if you're breaking even to start with on your advertising and cost of sale then that's a good place to be um, because you're building the brand you're building awareness um, you know you can't expect somebody to see an ad for you and go lovely i'll buy that now mm. um, you know i think these things are a bit of a slow build and i think that's i think that's one thing that i've perhaps <coughs> brought with me is that awareness that yeah you, you you can't just expect one ad equals one sale <laughs> i think a lot of people forget to consider kind of the lifetime customer value as well obviously where where you're selling products where they're going to be consumed within 12 months theoretically as long as they've enjoyed it they're likely to come back so as a, as a new bit uh, business in particular just breaking even is enough but overall the kind of the lifetime return on ad spend will get there yeah um which a lot of people kind of get panicked about when they're a new business that they're putting in money and not not making a hundred pounds back straight away for example no. no i think you're right and actually it's you know when i look when i look at all the different um revenue streams and cost streams we have um, so we've obviously advertised through you guys. We've done some Facebook advertising. We've done some Google shopping advertising. We've done advertising in um, sort of print media. Um, and I think you have to, you know, that they all have different pros and cons. Um, and I think the, the, the key thing that you have to do is keep measuring them, keep looking at what's working, what's not working, keep refining it. And I think as long as you're going to have to take some gambles, you're going to have to say, you know what, let me just put however much it is into this Google shopping campaign or what have you. Um, and know that if you lose it, you lose it and you're happy with that. But know that you're going to learn whatever happens, you're going to learn from it. And then the next campaign you do will be better. And I think that's the I think that's you, you have to be in this for the long term. I'm not saying you're going to lose money, but you might not make money straight away. And I think that's yeah. that's quite a, a healthy um, thing to know. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So out of the things that you've just listed there, Julie, what what things have worked and what things haven't worked? Um, so again, it's quite difficult to say, you mentioned top of funnel, bottom of funnel stuff. And yeah. I think obviously, you know, in a way, the whole advertising sphere, you know, the advertising in its true sense, typically aims to get people in top of funnel. Um, and you know, that the journey through the funnel might take 20 minutes, it might take two years. Um, so it's quite difficult to know what is working and what isn't working. Um, I think the nice thing about things like um, the work that you guys have done, you can look at cost per click and, um, you know, return on ad spend and things like that, which at least, you know, you're at least breaking even. Mm -hmm. um, 
I suppose the, the, the challenge of things like print media is that you just don't know who's seen it. You don't get the, you know, you, you don't get a cost per click on print media. Um, so I'm always slightly wary about, about that. So I think if I was, if I was giving somebody advice on a, um, an e-commerce business, I think, I do think the sort of work that you guys do is a really good start point because you can start measuring it and you just know that your investment is say at least breaking even um i think it couples really well with things like getting coverage in the press but i would go for a more pr route because it's less costly might cost you time but i think <laughs> advertising in print is blooming expensive and i'm not convinced that you see a return quick enough what kind of PR outreach would you be doing with Kneesbees usually? I mean, obviously, you've got an incredible story. Uh, you know, you're a, you're a social enterprise. You're heading in that direction anyway, the lifestyle aspects. But kind of talk me through what your PR process would look like. So I guess social media probably comes into PR as well. Um, we post daily on social media. And I also have Caroline from the lovely Grow With Blossom, who is our social media bee. Um, and I think that's important because it can help you to establish a rapport with people and, and, and start to create that sort of brand um, awareness, that the, the, the story and the feeling around that. Um, the other thing that, that I've done, and this was something that I've done during lockdown, um, it seems to be working, and I'd recommend this to people, is there's various... Uh, online agencies where you can post pictures uh, and press releases um, and uh, journalists come and pick them up. I mean, it's completely scattergun, but as long as your message is consistent and your imagery is consistent, then, you know, you may win, you may lose. But I just got some coverage today in a, a lovely, glossy Kent lifestyle magazine. Um, They've done an article on our foot butter, which has cost me nothing. Mm. Um, you know, I think that there are, there are opportunities out there. Um, there's a lot of quite local PR um, people around as well that can do that kind of thing for you. So I would say having something like, um, you know, if I was starting out again and giving, giving people advice, I think as a small business with small budgets, working with you guys has been great and you can sort of nail the digital stuff. I think then the other advice I would give is social media and some kind of PR, either do it yourself or get, you know, there's local independents, several of that I could mention, um, who are around and, you know, can do that kind of stuff for you if you don't want to do it yourself. Press yeah. lock. Go and Google Pressloft. That's the people I use. They do a 90-day free trial. Pressloft, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I think one of the you were well not lucky. I mean, you worked hard for it, Julie. But the the win to get your product listed at Blenheim um, was a huge story for you that you were able to yeah push out last year. Was yeah, it year before no. now I get confused what year we're on. <laughs> no, it was two, yeah, it was two years ago. God, it was two years ago. Yeah, it was actually. It was July the fourth. It was Independence Day two years ago. Um, that was great, actually. And again, that was one of those. Oh, you know what? The harder I work, the luckier I get. But the um, it was one of those 
it pinged up on something like a West Oxfordshire District Council email list thing. And it said, Blame, we're doing a competition. I'm like, oh, I didn't need lunch yet. Anyway, let me just fill out the form. No, literally, it was sort of, I just filled out the form, didn't really think about it. And they came back and said, you've been shortlisted. I was like, okay, I need to take this a bit more seriously. Um, and Neve and I both put in a lot of work, actually, um, getting our story right, getting our imagery right, getting our proposition for them right. Um, and it's a nice fit. You know, they have a lovely gift shop. Sadly, it's not doing so well at the moment because they have lots of tourists there, which aren't there at the moment. Um, but, I, yeah, again, I would... <clears throat> Yeah, I would say to people, you know, look out for those <clears throat> little competitions or, um, uh, you know, awards, events, um, because I think, you know, you can sometimes feel like a bit of an imposter. Oh, I could possibly win that. But actually, you know what? Why not? Um, we we also applied for, um, it's called the Green Parent Beauty Award for one of our lip balms. And we got um, the, the platinum, I think, in that. And that was a nice little logo. We, we also entered the free from skin care awards and we've, we've got to the last five i think i don't know i think the results are coming out in a few weeks um we entered the west oxfordshire business awards and again we got to the <laughs> finals in two of them and there was supposed to be a big drunken celebration at the end of <laughs> that got cancelled so i have no idea whether we got anywhere with that or not but you know i think keep your eyes out these are all sort of those pr opportunities and you just never know you never know what happens they take a bit of time um but they don't typically cost that much and i think you know if you've got a good story you've got good products um you believe in what you do um you know there's no reason why not to enter these awards and competitions and yeah you get some nice nice coverage from it and hopefully some nice dinners out <laughs> <laughs> when we're allowed out again yeah <laughs> we're allowed out again. i was so looking forward to that champagne oh i hope you sat at home that night and had a glass just to yourself anyway i think we did actually yeah <laughs> so so i mean we kind of talked about a whole load of things you've you've done with Neves Bees in terms of different marketing tactics what, what do you think the future of product marketing looks like <laughs> that's an interesting one isn't it mm. um <clears throat> i mean i think one of the product marketing in general one of the things that i think we've all noticed during lockdown is that people have gotten more used to buying online yeah um so you know the e-commerce space i guess is going to become even more important i mean i i don't want to say death of the high street but i do think that the high street will probably change what it offers we were we were in the process of just about to have a pop-up shop with john lewis in oxford when this yeah. all happened i know it's such a shame but hopefully well it's, it's planned to happen before christmas which might be quite nice anyway but one of the things i think that john lewis has cottoned on to a few years ago actually is that you know the high street perhaps will come less about buying stuff and more about having a nice experience um and i think you know that's where things like christmas markets and country fairs come into their own where you don't go there just to buy stuff because you can do that from amazon or online or what have you yeah. but it becomes more about actually having an experience having a day out um you know having family time having me time or what have you and i hope that the i hope that the high street perhaps you know 
wises up to that and takes a leaf out of John Lewis's book and maybe thinks about you know how you can have more of a joyful experience going shopping rather than purely let's get this stuff in the shopping basket and get home. <laughs> mm. I think um, I think it kind of runs through two e-commerce businesses as well in some respects in their poor service because we're buying online more and more now poor service yeah. online is no longer acceptable as well like yeah absolutely i think um i've had it myself with i had i ordered a t-shirt and they said it got cancelled and then two arrived because i reordered it and it, these kind of things you're just like you wouldn't get this on the high street because you go in and buy it what you want and you go back so i think there's a pressure for e-commerce businesses to make sure that they're they're matching the experience as much as possible that people used to get from buying in person yeah i think you're absolutely right actually and i think that's that's a really important point so we we sell on amazon as well and i hate selling on amazon i hate it with a vengeance um sorry amazon i think, most, true. I think most people would say that <laughs> everyone and, speaks um, who says it it's horrible but you know they're so big and so powerful that actually they make us the money and they make you know they enable us to invest in other things so it's mm -hmm. you know it's a horrible thing but what i what i what i really don't like about it is that the i don't think the customer service from amazon is anywhere near as good as the customer service we give so whenever someone buys direct from our website i see the order i oversee the quality of the packaging that goes out i write or one of our team write a handwritten note you know thanks so much for your order we really appreciate your custom we can put in if they've said, "Oh, can I have this instead of this?" or you know, "Oh, could you do this for me?" We can do that, and could you just write a hand note? I'd like to give it to my mother to say Happy Mother's Day. We can do that, and of course on Amazon they can't. And if there's a problem, they come straight back to us. I'm there on my phone, or or one of us is there on the phone, and we can answer it straight away. Whereas with Amazon, you know, you get I, I got a really poor review on Amazon the other day, and they went, "Oh." product was smaller than I thought it was going to be I'm like oh we show a picture we say how big it is in the size you know I, I'm not quite sure how she expected her lip balm how big she wanted a lip balm <laughs> yeah and, and you know of course you can't do you can't do anything about that I that customer has had a bad experience and I can't help that now because Amazon yeah. have done it whereas if she'd come to me I could have said no problem we'll refund you or we'll send you something else or you know and it's just so I think uh, I do, I'm absolutely with you, you know, customer service is king. And then the more control you can keep of your own e-commerce, the better. So if I could do everything driving sales through our website and not go to Amazon, I would 100% do that. Sadly, we're not quite big enough just yet. Well, you, you talk about not being big enough right now, but that's obviously <laughs> going to change given the fact that the, the wonderful people that are driving news bees right now, I think uh, the future is looking good. Share with us what that future looks like and what your future aspirations for the news bees brand looks like. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a really good point. So I don't want it to be a massive conglomerate that's not what we've been about so um Burt's Bees who I guess many people will have heard of I knew you've asked me what I do want to do I'm saying what I don't want to do but Burt's Bees is um started in the 70s started pretty similar to us Burt was an old beekeeper and and a woman I can't remember her name came along and said oh Burt actually she's American oh Burt would you like to come <laughs> and sell 
Carpenter Prime. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, so they started out doing what, doing basically what we're doing, and they had really nice lip balms. They had some hand salves. They had a little cuticle butter. So you know, pretty similar to what we've got. Uh, roll forwards uh, 20 years to the late 90s, or no, I think it was 2006 actually. Um, Burtsby's sold out to a company called Clorox, which is the biggest bleach company in America for, get this, $998 million. So nearly a billion, yeah, nearly a billion dollars. And of course now, you know, the plastics, the, the, the packaging's all plastic and they've got artificial this and artificial that. And they're, they're trading on the fact that they're this beautiful natural business. But in my opinion, they've kind of sold out. Um, so I don't want to do that. I would love it if we could stay with the same values that we have. You know, we do care very much about the people that we work with. We work as local as, can, as we can. Our products absolutely are 100% natural. There is nothing in there that's artificial. You know, all the fragrancing is essential oils made from plants. There's no preservatives or emulsifiers or additives or synthetic anything in there genuinely. Not even the things that you're allowed to say is natural, which actually isn't. I have a chemistry degree. I know these things. Um, uh, so I don't I don't want to lose that. And I don't want to have to deal with the the Sainsbury's and Tesco's of this world who list you and then say, oh, can you have a £25,000 listing fee, please? Because the customer ends up paying that and that's just not right. So we'd like to carry on growing, we'd like to grow organically. If I had a mission, as I said, it would be to help people realize that you can be synergistic with nature. You can use natural products yourself. You can enjoy nature. You can give back to nature. You can you know, look after your countryside and don't drop litter and don't drop dandelions down and do look after your verges and, and you know <laughs> the wildflowers that you have around you. Um, and I think it's, you know, if we can use the brand and the profits that we get from it to help people to enjoy nature and nature enjoys people, then I think we're onto a winner. So I think it's more about that than about how much profit we make, really. I think I think you're absolutely right. If you look after those core concepts and the things that you hold truly dear, people will see that. People already do see that, but more and more people will see that. And eventually, you know, those profits will just come as a byproduct of your mission statement, right? Well, yeah, I hope so. And and to say we already plough back. Well, I give more to Bebat, which is the box. Bucks, Oxen, our local wildlife trust, um, than I take out of it myself at the moment because that's what's important to me. So, you know, we're already giving a lot to charity um, to save the wildlife. And yeah, so I've sort of had the corporate career and done the jetting around the world selling ridiculous frozen chips. <laughs> I don't need to do that anymore. Um, so yeah, you know, I think it's it's perhaps more about the what 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 we can do and i think you know the more businesses that actually yeah we need to have we need to look after our our self and our people and you know make sure that our products are good um but it's it's you know more important to me that i work with nice people such as you guys uh you know local businesses who really care about what they're doing and care about their staff and you know care about the impact that they're making on the world that's kind of I sound like a bit apple hood and mother pie don't apple hood, <laughs> apple hood and apple pie but that is um 
yeah, that's 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 kind of what keeps me going in the morning. And I wake up with a clear conscience and, you know, feeling good about the world. Oh, it's, uh, it's a good mission to have, Julie, and uh, it's, it's been a pleasure helping helping these bees to, to grow with you and knowing that we're also contributing to that as well. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I really enjoyed learning more about you and, and these bees today because, you know, it's it's so good to, you know, have this conversation with someone that, yes, is looking to shape a brand and, and push a brand out there and obviously sell products, but someone that really cares very, very deeply about their local community, the world around them, and, you know, just society in general. Um, and I know that there are a lot of brands that say they do that, but they don't truly live by their mission statements. And, uh, you know, with you, you know, that is very much you know the case you know you you have this mission statement you have these values and they are at the very very core of what news bees are yeah 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 it, it is I, i'm uh yeah you're right thank you <laughs> <laughs> so i mean what i want to do is for anybody that's listening who is taking inspiration from this and is looking to set up their own social enterprise would you have a couple of would you have free tips things that you would say to those people right now that are looking to do something very similar um, okay, let me think about this. So to start with, at the moment, we haven't gone through the official process of becoming a social enterprise. So I think that I'd give two pieces of advice. So one to set up a business, I think, and then one to set up a social enterprise, and the two are not mutually exclusive. So I think either way, if you're setting up a business or a social enterprise, work out what it is that you want from it. Be that, you know, I want to have this lifestyle, or I want to have this much money, or I want to change the world in this way you know be clear about what you want and be clear about how big you want to be um <clears throat> there's a there's a tale about a chap that is fishing on the beach and someone said oh you could sell that fish and he goes oh yeah all right i could i could have more fish and sell it so the next day he goes and gets two fish and then the next day he gets four fish and then he has a sales rep and then he ends up having a factory and then someone comes to him and says so what are you going to do when you retire then you know oh, I'm going to sell the factory and go fishing all day. <laughs> and I kind of think, you know, be careful of that trap because why are you doing this? You know, make sure that what you're doing is something that, yeah, meets your financial needs and meets the needs of your family, but also gets you up in the morning. You know, you don't want to end up doing something that you don't want to do. So be really clear on your mission. Um, then I think another piece of advice I would, be, I would give is, if you think it's expensive getting a professional to do it, try getting an amateur to do it. So in other words, work out, work out what you can do and what you're good at, and then outsource what you can't do. Because I think, certainly for me, having come from a corporate background where I just had budgets and agencies to do everything, I, I think doing it suddenly being starting off as a one-man band anyway you start, you think my god i'm having to do everything and suddenly you have to be good at product development regulation sales marketing accountancy everything and it you soon realize that actually you can't do that <laughs> well certainly i can't um and i think it's really good to get trusted people on board such as you guys and i've got carol on my social b and nikki our designer b got them on board right from the start and we've worked with them for two years and it's been great it feels lovely to have a team of good people around you but also you know that actually you're doing the best that you can because you just can't do everything so i think that would be another 
another top tip. So work out where you're going, first of all, have a mission or a vision or what you want out of it. And then work out what you can do and you want to do and then what you can and want to outsource and find trusted people um, and get a rapport with them, treat them nicely and they'll treat you nicely. <laughs> Excellent tips, Julie. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Julie, for sharing those with us. And uh, like I said, it's been tremendous having you join us here on the PPC Burrito today. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Um, what are you currently up to at the moment? What are the Nevesby is currently up to? And uh, where can the wonderful people of the interwebs find you? <laughs> so, well, I'm sure if you put Nevesby's in Google search, because of you guys, lovely, it'll be up there. But please don't click on the sponsored one if you can. <laughs> so yeah, our, our website is up there. So it's www.nevesbees, N-E-V-E-S-bees.co.uk. Um, so all our range of products is on there. Um, we are hopefully, if it goes ahead, going to be at the Oxford Christmas Market in Broad Street, which I'm so excited about. It's the most beautiful little chalet we've got there. Um, and there's, I think there's like 100 stalls or something. Um, so that'll be such fun. That's in December. Um, we are in several local shops. And if there are any uh, shop, shop owners, uh, either online shops or real shops listening and um, they want to be a, a trader, we'd love to hear from you. We're looking at getting more indie shops on board. So again, contact us through the website. Um, yeah, and hopefully that if there's any craft shows and country fairs, we're at a country fair in Stoner coming up in Stoner Park. Hopefully that'll go ahead. Then um, yeah, come and say hi. And if you've listened to the, do we get a free burrito as well, Michael? Kind of one. <laughs> uh, we were talking we're... about this only two weeks ago <laughs> that we need to start finding a way to send burritos to our guests i think we're going to have to do some outreach of our own and uh, and see if there's anyone that can help us we, we were saying that what we're going to start doing is uh, eventually and we might have to backdate this because I, I want to make sure that we can send you something julie is uh, we will send uh, our wonderful guests uh, a burrito it might not be an edible burrito but it will be a memento of this uh, wonderful conversation that we've had but uh we're listen out keep your eyes open there will be something announced very soon but i think i've got to do a bit of work before we can uh roll something out but um julie uh knees bees deputy queen bee it's been wonderful having you here on ppc burrito thank you so much for joining us and um hopefully you can join us again soon i love to thank you thanks guys thanks julie thank you oh that was a great conversation i like julie i love julie I think we're going to have to have her back here again soon. I, I really, I, I think that she's got a lot of stories to tell. And uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed that conversation. So Julie, thank you once again for joining us. And uh, and yeah, well, what we need to do is we need to get back to some PPC tips because we shared a wonderful PPC tip earlier on in the show. And, uh, and we have a PPC tip number two, which is very relevant to the conversation that we had. Uh, what have you got for us, Becky? Yeah, so my tip two today is focused for um, e-commerce businesses like Julie's, um, and that is to make sure that you optimise your shopping feed if you're going to be running shopping campaigns. Now, too many people just, again, think that you set it up, you're shopping, and that, that's it. You pull off your feed, you plug it in, and off you go. Um, 
wrong. So unlike with search campaigns, it's the shopping feed that will really power your shopping campaigns. So you need to optimize it for Google. So don't just pull it straight from your website, insert it into Merchant Center and off you go with your campaigns. You need to look at the content within that feed and make sure that it's Google friendly. What do I mean by Google friendly? I mean things like making sure that your product titles contain key information that describes the product well. So your brand, for example, the color, the material perhaps, all the pertinent information that people would search for when looking for this product. The same with the description. You've got a lot of um, features to play with within the feed. If you go onto Google's help, it will break down all the advice um, in regards to character limits and things you can and can't say. So you can't say, you can't uh, use promotional copy as such. Um, it's all descriptive uh, terms. But yeah, people also get stuck here because they think, oh, I, I don't know how to optimize my feed um, because they're just pulling it off their website. Now my tip here is, this is a, a, a tip within a tip, inception again, um, is that- <laughs> Tipception. Is uh, tipception. Um, what we did with Julie um, was to build a new feed on a Google Sheet. Um, where So if you've got just a, a small product range, just start a feed from scratch and build out your product titles and all that information into a simple Google Sheet that you can optimize for Google. It's nice and clear to do. Just think of it as a, a nice spreadsheet of information about your products that you're telling Google what you want to appear for. So use, utilize Google Sheets if you've got a small product range and just make sure that you're optimizing that feed. Great tip. I mean, people, it, going back to the, the, the first tip in the show as well, is people just kind of set these things and then they just go away. But they, they you know, you have to take into consideration that uh, data is, is, is essentially alive and constantly changing. Yeah. Uh, I know that people might counter and argue and say, well, I, I don't have time to really dive into all of the minutiae of, uh, of you know, the internal operations of a Google Ads campaign. Mm -hmm. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. Yeah. However, if people are are continuing to have this kind of um, in-house and they're, they're continuing to manage it themselves is there a part of the feed that you would recommend that they prioritize looking at and optimizing uh, the titles and the product description they're the two just to just to fit in with search terms yeah. and things like that yeah. yeah so i mean a common thing is that people might say oh i'm not appearing on the on the shopping results page uh, for my product for this term and it, it might just be that that term does not appear anywhere within your product title description. So it's just looking at things like that, making sure that that key information is in the feed and getting it in there. Perfect. There you go. You have heard it from the queen of PPC herself. So we've had the queen of bees, the deputy queen of bees. Sorry, I must correct myself. Uh, and the queen of PPC. Um, so so listen, Becky knows what she's talking about. And, uh, and yeah, that's a, that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PPC Burrito. I hope your mind and belly is filled with PPC knowledgey goodness. If you haven't already, please consider following Digital Gearbox on LinkedIn and also on Twitter and Instagram at Digital Gearbox. If you're a business and you require any help with your own campaigns, please feel free to get in touch either by dropping us a message on social media or by going to our website www.digitalgearbox.co.uk. So from me, Michael. And me, Becky. Stay happy, stay safe, and until next time, amigos, keep on optimizing. <laughs>